This is the Action Network Podcast. But this one is good. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Action Network podcast. I am your host, Brandon Anderson, here with Raheem Palmer, like always, to wrap up week 17 action, our first Sunday of the new year, 2022. Biggest Sunday of the season, 15 games today. We had a whirlwind of early action. Raheem, how did your 2022 start out? Oh, my God. We're not even going to talk about how my 2022 started out. <laughs> as far as NFL, it was a really, really, really rough day. We'll get into it because we're talking about some of the game, but I was not happy with the way this NFL Sunday turned out for me. Yeah, it was a very up and down day for me. I had a couple of late ads that saved the day a little bit and got me back close to even, but rough games to get a hold of. The big one we'll talk about, Chiefs Bengals. You and I thought we had cornered early, and then the Bengals really came back and surprised us both. So we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to Monday Night Football. We'll do our hot reads. Uh, we'll get all of that for you guys. Odds today from BetMGM, as always, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Yeah, let's start out. Let's start out with that AFC window. Uh, early games, we had a bunch of AFC action. The big one, Chiefs Bengals. Bengals come all the way back. The Chiefs go up 14 three times. They took a 14-point lead in the first half. I'm putting on my notes like this in my notes. Absolute mismatch. Bengals defense has no shot. Jamar Chase, the only thing keeping Cincinnati in the game. We hit the halftime. The Bengals are kind of hanging around just enough to stay close. And then the Chiefs score three points in the second half when they had been unstoppable the first half. Bengals come all the way back. Weird ending that I'm sure we'll talk about. Field goal at the death. Bengals get the win, 34-31. They obviously were underdogs. They got the cover, plus 165 on the money line, way over. I know you had the over in this one. Where do we start on this one? Okay, I mean, first things first, you got to start with the penalties. The Chiefs had 10 penalties for 83 yards, and I think the one thing you neglected to mention is that right before the half, they had a kickoff return that would have made it 35-17, And that got called back. So not only did they not have the 41 seconds to to be able to drive and score at the end of the half, they pretty much had 30 seconds left, and the Chiefs chose to run out the clock. So you had those penalties, but you also had a lot of penalties on the defensive side of the ball. They basically called pass interference on every crucial third down, and it just felt like, for me, I was on the Kansas City Chiefs, and I actually sent out the open order on the Chiefs at minus three and a half. I had some minus five and a half. I just kind of kept betting it like I knew the score of the game. And the first half of the game was exactly what I thought the game would be. But at some point, you started to see the Chiefs make some mistakes. They kind of got a bad deal on these penalties. So many pass interference penalties. But, I mean, you got to give the Bengals credit. They won the yardage 475 to 414. Jamar Chase was just absolutely dominant. 11 receptions, 266 yards, three touchdowns. It's just a big day from Jamar Chase. And then obviously the Chiefs were able to put some pressure on Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow still got the ball out. 30 of 39 for 446 yards and four touchdowns. So those stars just showed up in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. Burrow and Chase just carried the Bengals here. The defense showed up in the second half, but it didn't. I, I don't really know what the Chiefs did wrong in the second half to not move the ball. It's just the Bengals were on the field so much the game. And Jamar Chase, just monster performance. Most yards ever by a rookie in a game. 266 yards. I mean, that that's a huge, that's a good game for a quarterback. Joe Burrow, 449 yards. He's at almost 1,000 yards over the last two games now, making a run at the yardage crown. I thought maybe, maybe making a run at the MVP, depending on what happened with Rodgers tonight. Obviously, that's probably a wrap at this point. But yeah, Joe Burrow, to me, Burrow and Chase are the story here. Burrow looks like he's making the leap. He's money all game. And 
you know, when you watch a Packers game, you know, when the chips are on the table, when everything's on the line, Rogers just going to throw it over the shoulder and Devontae Adams is going to make the play for the Packers. But and we're starting to see that with Burrow and with Chase, that these guys, they have their connection to LSU. It has shown up in a big way here. Burrow today, 0.61 EPA per pass. That is a huge game. 30 EPA extra points uh, uh, added on the day. Way better than Mahomes by the advanced metrics. Jamar Chase had 14 targets, caught 11 of them. Huge game, 25 EPA for him. Between the two of them, that's 30 plus 25, 55 EPA for quarterback and receiver. It's hard to get much of a better connection than that. They just lit up the Chiefs, and as great as Kansas City's defense had been for the last 10 games, I think they're averaging like 14 and a half points allowed. They just couldn't couldn't stop those two. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, as much as they couldn't stop them, so much of this game was decided by penalties. I mean, look, there was just so many crucial penalties like on drives where it just felt like it completely swung the game. And Jamar Chase, he had a couple of breakdown touchdowns. Guys just got lost. But I'm, I'm pretty sure the Bengals scored 21 points off pass interference plates. <laughs> and when you look at that second half, the Chiefs only had the ball three times. They punted on the first drive. The second drive, they actually had third and two from the Cincinnati Bengals, 41. And then they got the offensive holding penalty. It's third and 12. They got a punt. Next possession, they stopped the Bengals on, they pretty much get a three and out. And they call it defensive pass interference. And Bengals go down, go down and, and pretty much take the lead. On, and it's just like, it just felt like the Chiefs just couldn't get out of their own way. And then they had some bad luck at the same time. Yeah. So it was just it was a very frustrating game as a Chiefs better. But at the same time, there was some sharp money on the Bengals. Pushed this line all the way down to three and a half. So, you know, maybe they knew some things that I didn't about this Chiefs defense. But... I, I, it was pretty. It was pretty surprising to see how well Joe Burrow played in the midst of all the pressure that he took. Yeah. Well, the other penalties you didn't mention too. So back to the ending of the game. So first of all, the Chiefs are driving down three, and we know the Chiefs. We've seen this for three, four years now. The Chiefs are going to score the touchdown, get the lead, game over. We got this. The Bengals make the stop, so the Chiefs have to kick the field goal. It's tied, and now the Bengals get the ball back, and now they're driving. The Chiefs can't get off the field. And it's clear the Bengals are going to score. We're inside the 10 now. It's going to happen. So this is where you let the Bengals score. You let them in. You have Patrick Mahomes. Get your guys on the field. Go get the tying score. And instead, it's just this horrible sequence at the end where Burrow keeps sneaking. And it's like, okay, they're inside the one. They're sneaking. Are they even trying to score? The Chiefs are calling their timeouts and using up all their time, all the timeouts. And then two times the Bengals go for it on fourth and goal inside the one. And it's a tie game. Remember they're going for it because they want to get the knockout punch and twice they get stopped and twice it gets overturned by a penalty. First time offsetting penalties. They get to try it again. Second time we get another one of those holds in the end zone. And then at that point, they just kneel the ball down. Joe Burrow goes out with a knee injury, which doesn't look serious, but is something to keep an eye on. So Brandon Allen comes in. And takes the, you know, kneels it down. They kick it off or kick the field goal for the win. Just insane sequence of events just to not let the Chiefs even have the ball back at the end. Like the odds of that coming to fruition that way, like either you give up the touchdown right away on the other side of the two minute warning, and Pat's got two minutes, all the timeouts, I think you got every chance. Even with them not giving up the touchdown at the end before the two minute warning. They should have called the timeout before the two-minute warning. They called it afterwards. Yep. So it's just like there was just – look, Andy Reid is not yeah, known bad for Andy Reid came back to play. Yeah, he's one. not known for his clock management. Yeah. But it just – I mean, he picked – he had the absolute worst clock management you could possibly have. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard for some of these football guys to just give up a score. That's just who they are. I mean, you look at Belichick in the Super Bowl against the Seattle Seahawks. He wasn't going to give up a score. And he actually, and I think the, the funny thing about that Super Bowl is that it felt like he didn't call his timeouts to rush the Seahawks into like a bad play. And it just happened yeah. to work out for him. But it's just like, I just think sometimes you just got to know letting the team score is going to give us the best chance to win. 
And none of these coaches seem to want to do that. I mean, uh, from my point of view, the Chiefs defenders should have been bear hugging Joe Burrow and falling back into the end zone with them. Like you, you got to get one of those weird plays where both teams are trying to do the opposite thing of what it looks like. On that very drive in which they scored the, the, the game winning field goal, the Chiefs had them third and 27 after a <laughs> sack. And for whatever reason, they decide to go with an all out blitz. Why? I don't know. Instead of, Look, you got a couple minutes left in the game. There's no reason to go with an all-out blitz there. You let them throw it underneath, kick the field goal. You got Patrick Mahomes. And you you haven't been stopped pretty much all day other than those two drives in the second quarter. One in which you – I mean, in the second half. One in which you got a penalty. So let them kick the field goal. You go down, score a touchdown. I, I just – to me, that whole last drive was just bad Chiefs coaching. Yeah, I can't argue with that. That's – Classic Steve Spagnuolo, like he's always going to be aggressive in that spot. And I guess, you know, you're trying to blitz. You're trying to keep them. I think they're out of field goal range at that point. So yeah, they were to totally out, out third and 27. And and yeah. Jamar Chase catches. He You allow Jamar Chase, who's been beating you all day, to go one-on-one. Yeah, one-on-one coverage and just drop it in there, which Burrow's been doing all game long. So big mistake. They really mangled that one. And now the Chiefs fall out of the one seed. Your Tennessee Titans somehow who we've dumped on the entire season are the one seed right now. Cause remember the, t- the Titans beat the chiefs. That was Kansas city's last loss before today. So the, here are the chiefs sitting tied with the Titans and they lose that tie break. So Tennessee wins. They're the one seed. If the chiefs lose again, they're tied with the Bengals and the Bengals have the tie break now. So it looks like the chiefs cost themselves a bye week And by the way, the AFC has some pretty good wildcard teams. Costing themselves a bye week suddenly means a game against maybe the Colts, maybe the Chargers. That's not a freebie. That's not a sure thing win. A bye is a sure thing win. That's the whole point of the bye week. So th- this is a very weird spot. I did not expect this result. I did not expect the Chiefs to get the win. The Titans, they might be, I was trying to think of, can you think of a worse one seed in memory, assuming that they get the win next week? I, I-, I couldn't come up with one. Off the top of the dome, the worst run one seed. I'm going to have to come back to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, assuming that the wild card spots go to New England, Indianapolis, and the Chargers, that's my assumption right now. I legitimately think the Titans, as the one seed, are the worst playoff team in the AFC. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go that far. And one of the reasons why is because you have to think that they're going to get Derrick Henry back. A.J. Brown has been really tough to stop. and the defense has actually improved as this year has gone along. So I, I don't, I don't want to say that they're the worst team in the playoffs. Like, I mean, to me, they're better than the Patriots. Yeah. Um, I think, I think they're better. Than, I think they're better than the Colts. I think they're better than the Chargers at this point. I mean, we're the Chargers or the Raiders. I mean, because obviously they're, those two teams are playing for a playoff position. So, so let me ask you this, then. We know we, we talk about this all the time. The best way to get to the Super Bowl is to be the one seed. All the Titans have to do is beat the Texans, and they're the one seed. Right now, Tennessee is not the favorite or close to it. They're plus 500 to, to get to the Super Bowl and win the AFC, plus 1,200 to win the Super Bowl. They're two games away if they win next week. Are you nibbling at those odds at all? I am not nibbling at those odds. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm not, but right. I, I just don't, I don't think they're the worst team in the AFC. I, I just... Got to push no, back. That's, on that's that fair way. enough. There's there's a wide chasm in between taking them to get the Super Bowl and being the worst team there. So we will talk all things playoffs to come. Let's go Rams Ravens. So I mentioned I had a late save. This was my late save. Could have been much better, but I, I passed on this game early in the week, and the line just kept moving, kept moving toward the Rams. I didn't understand because Matt Stafford is terrible in games against teams over 500. We know this. We've known this for a decade now. And there we go. Game starts right away. Matt Stafford, pick six, couple drives later, another interception. It's all the bad Matt Stafford. Baltimore has the game. They're running the ball. They're running the clock out. And this same, same old Baltimore, fourth time in five weeks that they lose a game by one or two points. Heartbreak. John Harbaugh's guys are fighting hard, but they don't have a quarterback. They don't have a secondary. They don't have quite enough. Rams win 20 to 19. Stafford did get the late comeback. Stafford is the king of the fourth quarter comebacks, but you know, that's because he's behind all the time. The two go together. 
20 and 19 Ravens do cover. So I got that one. I was sad to miss on my plus 240 money line. I'm very worried about the Rams from this game. I I'm ready to bet against Matthew Stafford. That's right. Full name, Matthew Stafford. Let's bet against him in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, you can't trust Matthew Stafford at all. When you look at, this is the second consecutive game where they had to overcome three turnovers from Matthew Stafford. And he throws the pick six to pretty much start the game. He throws another interception in Ravens territory. He fumbles the ball in Ravens territory when they pretty much could have taken the lead to start the, start the second half. I mean, look, Cooper Cup is amazing. We know that. Odell Beckham has shown that he's not washed, and a lot of it had to do with Baker Mayfield. The defense has been solid. But at some point, you can't overcome these turnovers against solid playoff teams. And seven turnovers the last three games. You're just not going to overcome that. And I, I just, to me, and I got a lot of pushback about this. I brought this to my group chat. And I also brought this to Twitter. And I'm of the belief that the Rams were actually better under Jared Goff than they are under Matthew Stafford. Hear me out. I know it's probably a crazy take. We know Matthew Stafford is <laughs> the better quarterback. But from when I'm watching these games, it feels like Sean McVay was aware of the limitations of Jared Goff, and he never really took the training wheels off. Whereas with Matthew Stafford, because he's presumed to be a better quarterback, which he is, there's no training wheels on this guy. So he's allowed to be as reckless as, as possible. And you can look at some of these Rams games. I know they, they pulled off the win this week, but you look at last week or the game against the 49ers. He's almost single-handedly almost losing these games for this team. And I don't know if Jared Goff was ever really put in a position during his time with the Rams to, to, to just go out there and lose these games for them. And you said it yourself. You're betting against Matthew Stafford. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's, here's, here's my response to that. So I would say that the floor is lower with Matthew Stafford because it can really fall out because they let it. The floor wasn't as low with Goff because they didn't allow it. They, they had so much built in to protect him. But the big difference and why they made the deal is because the ceiling is unquestionably higher. And like, it, I'm not saying these are the same caliber quarterbacks. But Matt, Matt Stafford, for four games, could have that Nick Foles run in him where he just is running hot. Like, we know when, he, when he's good, he's really good. When, the, when the, you know, the arm talent is there, the deep ball is there, they got the talent. The Rams are all about this big play or big stars and scrubs thing. And I thought it was really interesting. Mm -hmm. So the game's on the line. The Rams have the ball down late and they're driving. And I thought at the end of the game, that final minute or two, is all Rams stars and scrubs. You get Cooper Cup gets the long catch. I'm counting him as one of the stars now. He certainly is. Then fourth down, game's on the line. Stafford throws Dodell Beckham. Great catch. Couple of plays later, Stafford throws to OBJ again for the touchdown. Ravens get the ball back and it's third down. What's the big play? Von Miller, the guy that they traded for, comes through, gets the sack. The clock is running. It's the last play. The Ravens throw it again. Aaron Donald from defensive tackle comes back to get the big hit and the tackle to end the game. So that's it. That's Stafford, Cup, Beckham, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, everyone but Jalen Ramsey. Like, that's it. That's the whole Rams. You can't even name five more Rams. That's the entire roster. That's the team. And if you're the Rams, you look at that and you're like, that's it. That's the roster we built. That's our Super Bowl roster. But I'm going to follow that up by saying this. It doesn't get any better than that for the Rams. And I think right now there's a better chance that the Rams do not win again this season than that they get to the Super Bowl. Wow. So you I think that's it. I think they got their win. I think they could lose to the Niners next week. The Niners are a good team. The Niners are fighting for the playoffs and need a win. And I'm not sure that the Rams are that dangerous in the playoffs. I, they could be. They're, they're live. Matt Stafford makes them more live than Jared Goff would. They could get there, but Stafford, I think, has four pick sixes on the season. You, you just, he's that guy that it, you're going to, whoever bets on Matt Stafford, you're going to be watching that playoff game. And when, not if, when that back-breaking interception comes, you're going to be like, why did I put my money on this? We all knew this was coming. 
Yeah. I'm, I, I, you know, I've been saying it for years. To me, he's our generation's version of Jeff George. He has a rocket arm, but he just lacks that intangible to really be able to put it together. And I mean, it's pretty clear if Lamar Jackson's out there today, the Ravens probably win that game. And like he single handedly kind of kept the, the Ravens in this game with his turnover. And it's just, it, it's very, it's going to be very frustrating. And I, I, they're not a team I, I'm looking to back, to be honest. Yeah, the Rams now got the big win against the Vikings last week. They got the Ravens win today. They should have lost both those games. Stafford was terrible in both of those games and tried badly to give the game away. So I'm very out on the Rams. I'm ready to fade them in the playoffs. One more AFC big game in that early window. Raiders-Colts, not as exciting of a game. Raiders take the early 10-0 lead. Colts fight all the way back. Carson Wentz throws up a Hail Mary that the two defenders run into each other and tip it to T.Y. Hilton for the touchdown, basically. And then weird finish. So it's a tie game, 2020. The, Ra- the Raiders have allowed them to come back. Raiders are driving. And basically, Derek Carr throws it deep to Hunter Renfro, who scores a touchdown. But then they rule, oh, wait, no, he tripped, he fell. And they reviewed it like 7,000 times and decided that he touched his Achilles with his pinky or something. And so Renfro is down. But ironically that hurts the Colts because if he gets the touchdown and he gets the ball back down seven of the chance to win instead he's down. They run it a couple of times. Colts use the field goals. Raiders walk it off with a field goal uh, and, and get the win 40 or 23 to 20 Raiders closed as eight and a half point underdogs plus two eighty on the money line. I know you're mad about this one because you love the Raiders early and then all this COVID mess scared you off, right? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, like, we actually gave this out last week on the hot read. You can see the way that Carson Wentz has been playing recently. This is a quarterback's lead. Um, on our last game, we spoke about how we don't believe in, in, in Matthew Stafford. Right now, I don't believe in Carson Wentz. Look, I mean, he struggled against the Patriots. He, he just hasn't been the quarterback that they need him to be. Obviously, today he's 16 to 27, 148 yards, one touchdown, and he had a negative EPA per play, 0.08 success rate. When you look at the success rate, the numbers, the 41% passing success rate. It, it's just that's not good enough. And I felt like that would be the case coming into this game. The Raiders have been like this real scrappy team over the last couple of weeks. And I felt like they could keep it close, but this number took a really wild ride. Look, I mean, we're opening it up at nine. The COVID news hits. Carson's supposed to be out. The offensive line's supposed to be out. This line drops all the way Darius down. Leonard, Darius Leonard was supposed to be out still. Quentin Nelson was supposed to be out still. What, what, what did we get down to? Three at one point? Yeah, I think we were down to like two and a half at one point. And then I think you actually had some sharper guys trying to buy back on it. I actually sat tight. And then the number comes back up to six. Then it looks like pretty much the CDC changed the guidelines to, <laughs> from 10 days to five days. The NFL follows suit. So it's just like you have all these different variables changing things. And then the line goes back up. And it's just by that point, I've already submitted my contest picks. It's just, it just was a wild mess. But I like the Raiders this whole week. And I, I felt like I, I got the result that I was expecting. Like, I felt like this was a pick em game. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is the result. Before the mess of the whole week, I, I'm with you. This was your pick, but I was with you all the way. Eight or nine points was just too much. The Colts are a good team. The Colts are a better team than the Raiders and should win a game like this, but they shouldn't have been favored by eight or nine. It, it was the wrong line all the way, and there was a lot of value there along the way, but we didn't really know. So what, I, what I'll say is this. you know, We know I'm the Carson Wentz guy, so I won't make too many proclamations about him. However, I, I'm not going to read too much into this loss for the Colts. It's a bad one. They needed to get the win. Now they have to go win in Jacksonville next week. If you can't win in Jacksonville, who literally should be trying to lose to clinch the number one pick, if you can't win in that, you're not a playoff team. So it's fine. Go win in Jacksonville. Get your playoff spot. But here's what I'm going to say. This game to me for Indianapolis was a carbon copy of the week one game. This is what happens when you let the pandemic derail your season, what team in the NFL has the lowest vaccination rate and was always due for COVID outbreak? It was the Colts. And coming into week one of the season, Wentz hadn't practiced, Quentin Nelson hadn't practiced, 
and they look like garbage because they didn't practice all week and they weren't ready from the preseason to play and they look terrible. It's their worst game of the season, I think. Since then, they look very good. They, on any given week, the Colts, if they get in the playoffs, they're dangerous. I'm not saying that they're live to win the Super Bowl, but they could win any matchup any given week, I think. I would feel better about the Colts winning on the road in the playoffs than I feel better about the Rams right now. This yeah, game, though, I 100% this, agree. This, this was not that. This doesn't scare me off of that. This just makes me think that this is a team that let COVID derail their season because they gave away two games now that they completely gave away because they just, you didn't practice all week. You, you got to get ready for the game. And they got guys like quarantining all week long. And, you know, they got them back, but it, it wasn't enough. But this looked like a team, and Carson Wentz today looked like a guy who was just out of sync and hadn't practiced. Oh, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, we look at, look at the last 13 games. They've won nine of their last 13 games. Yeah. They started the season 0-3. And then you look at the games that they lost. They probably should have beat the Ravens. That's a game that they should have won. You look at the game against the Titans. That's a game that they should have won. I mean, the, I mean, the second game against the Titans at home, they should have won that game. The game against the Buccaneers, that's another game that they should have won. And then you look at this game, obviously they didn't practice. So to me, this is a team, like you said, that can beat anybody on any given Sunday, but they've just had some bad luck as far as finishing, finishing games. And then they've had some bad luck with the pandemic. So I think if this, gets, this team gets into the playoffs, this is a team that you might want to take a fire on in terms of making a Super Bowl because I think they're, they're, they're scary. Yeah, I agree. So I, we don't want to read too much into this one. The other thing, too, is this actually could end up sort of helping the Colts. They probably fall from the five seed to likely the six seed at this point, assuming that things go as expected next week. And that probably means instead of going to Buffalo, who looks like the four seed if results go as expected, you play Cincinnati. And I don't know about you, but I would, as good as Cincinnati looked today, I would way rather play Cincinnati in a playoff game than play Buffalo, who's been there, who has that great defense. And the Colts beat up on Buffalo earlier this year. Colts are not going to be afraid of either one of those matchups. At this point, they just got to stay out of the seventh seed. You don't want any part of the Chiefs. If, if losing today knocked you into a matchup where you got to play the Chiefs now instead, then today cost you your season probably. Hopefully it's not that. And instead, today's loss, to me, might have bought me a little extra value on the Colts that might not have been there before today. Because today was not about anything bad about the Colts today was about a weird wonky week and just the line being off. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. All right. Let's talk about your team in the afternoon game, the Dallas Cowboys. It was a kind of a, a boring afternoon of not a lot of other good games. This one was close, but not close. The Cardinals uh, ended up six and a half point underdogs and kind of just took charge mostly from the beginning. Cowboys offense couldn't get anything going early on. Cardinals get the win 25-22, stays under on this one. Kyler Murray, 9-0 now at AT&T Stadium, five games in high school, two in college, now two in the pros. And I, I have to say, I'm worried about the Cowboys offense. You know, the funny thing is, everybody spoke about Cliff Kingsbury's record and the start of the season and his struggles at the end of the season. But I think one of the things that I probably didn't account for is that Mike McCarthy was on the other end of the field. <laughs> and look, this Cowboys offense, outside of their games against Washington, they really just have not played well at all. You got Dak Prescott, 24-38, 226 yards, three touchdowns. And, you know, a lot of that came at the end. But you got a fumble. The Cardinals, they they really have struggled to stop the run. But they shut down this Cowboys rushing offense. They have 45 rushing yards on 2.6 yards per attempt. Like that's just not, that's not going to get it done against. It's like, you got to be able to run the ball. That's what the Cowboys do. Ezekiel Elliott had nine carries, 16 yards. Tony Pollard had three carries, nine yards. So I think that was the most surprising thing. You know, there was a lot of sharp money on the Arizona Cardinals because this look ahead line was Cowboys minus two and a half. It's got all the way up to six and a half. But I was looking at this Cardinals team thinking that they were completely cooked. And it just turns out that they had a, a, a little slump. Yeah, this, I'm a little bit frustrated that I didn't play more. I just, this was just a gut feeling game. We talked about this one in our mm -hmm. Friday preview. This just felt like a buy low, sell high spot. And I feel like that's just kind of what we saw. 
I, I don't really know that I took too much away from this game. I was not high on the Cardinals coming in. I don't feel like I'm that much higher on the Cardinals coming out of it. Like, I don't feel like, oh, good. The Cardinals are back. They got the big road win. The Cardinals, I, I think, are 6-0 and on the road this season as underdogs outright. So we know they can go in on the road. They might have to do it in the playoffs. So they'll be dangerous, but not, like, super dangerous. Like, I didn't see anything about the Cardinals today that really made me stop and catch my attention that much. Cardinals were good. They had 399 yards to 301 yards. Again, as always, they were ridiculously efficient on late downs on both sides of the ball. They continue to do that all season. We continue to think it's not going to be able to keep up, and it does somehow. Uh, but at Dak, not good enough. Three touchdowns, you'd think that that's a good game, but 5.9 yards per attempt, not getting down the field. Three catches for Cooper, three catches for Lamb. Gallup, I think, tore his ACL now, so he's done. Dak fumbled three times. So he lost the one incredible play, by the way, by Isaiah Simmons coming all the way around and getting back and punching the ball out. That was kind of the turning play. I, I actually thought Dallas might still come back and get the win. You know, they, they did. They entered 22-7 in the fourth quarter, came all the way back and had a chance. But then the defense that's been so good can't get off the field. 442, you get the ball back and, and you never get the ball back again. So, yeah, you talk about Mike McCarthy. He did. He had that blown uh, timeout early in the second half. And then I thought Chase Edmonds might have fumbled that ball toward the end, right before the two-minute warning. And then have a timeout left. So they can't challenge it. And they're unable to challenge. They're unable to stop the clock. So it, it felt like another one where McCarthy mismanaged a little bit. But I was a little... I, I thought the Cowboys were a bit overvalued on the line because I thought the offense wasn't good enough. That's what I saw in this game. I don't think less of the Cowboys after the game, but I already was worried about them going in, and and this is kind of what I was worried about. You know, I, the one I, one thing I will say is that I was a little impressed with Arizona in the sense that, look, the Cowboys have a dominant pass rush, but Kyler can neutralize a really great pass rush, and I think we saw that in this in this game. And that was the difference for me because anytime you had Randy Gregory or you had Mika Parsons getting the getting the Kyler Murray. He's scrambling and he's getting out and he's extending drives. And I think that's what won them this game. But, I mean, the defense played well. Look, I mean, they held the Cowboys' rushing attack to nothing. And I think that's big. If the Cowboys can't run the ball, then that's going to hurt the rest of their offense. But, yeah, I mean, look, I thought the Cowboys' offense had turned it around, but it just turns out that they just have the Washington football team's number. And <laughs> Washington was just – completely depleted with all these COVID absences. So the Cowboys going forward, it's just, if they can't get this offense going, then, I mean, I think they're, they're probably a first or second round exit, even with the yeah. defense playing as well as they've been playing. The run, the run game for sure is my biggest worry for this game. And it's not new. That's not a new thing, but this game in particular, the Cardinals had been awful defending the run since JJ Watt went out. So if you're ever going to run the ball, this is the game to run the ball. You have to be able to run the ball. I think the Cardinals were 29th against the run and EPA per play over the last six weeks. And so if the Cowboys still can't run the ball, even in that spot, that's a real worry to me. I will say this, though. Like with the Colts, number one, a loss here might allow some value. The Cowboys, we know the ceiling is there. But the other thing that I do like for this for Dallas is looking at the different scenarios. If I'm Dallas, I'm taking next week as a bye week. I think Dallas is basically locked into the four seed. In order for them to move above the four at this point, they need to win against Philly in Philly, who's who is also locked into the playoffs but fighting for position. But they also need a Tampa loss or a Rams loss. I think maybe a Cardinals loss. There are a few scenarios, but in all likelihood, the Cowboys are probably the four seed and. I'm not really sure it matters that much to bump up to the three. I'm not sure that really changes things too much for them. I think they should take the week off, get Dak healthy. He seems like he is still could use a little more time and just kind of get right. Take a mental break on a long season. I think that could end up being a blessing in disguise with them not really having to fight for the one seed next week like we thought they might need to and kind of get a little bye week. Might get this matchup again. That's what it looks like right now is Cowboys-Cardinals. I can't say that I would feel terrible about it if I'm a Cowboys fan. Like 
there's nothing about this matchup that makes me think we can't beat this team. It just was an off day. I take the off week and try again. I'm not really a big fan of taking off week 17 or week 18. I think I think it's beneficial for some of these teams to go out there and build up a lather and, you know, play a couple of series because so much of football is rhythm. So much of it is just actually being prepared and playing week in and week out. And we know Dak hasn't looked good since he came back from his injury. So I, I still think that there are some reps that they need to get in, especially when you lose Michael Gallup. You know, the backup came in and actually scored a touchdown. So I want to see the Cowboys at least go out there and play a couple of series at minimum. And I'm saying that as a fan, but I'm saying that, you know, for all teams who are in this position to where they're not really playing for anything, because we've seen guys come out. We've seen teams come out there, take that week off. And then the next week, they look like they haven't played football in a month. So, (laughs) yeah, that's fair. Well, one of those teams that might also think about taking next week off look like they pretty much took this week off, too. That is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we are going all things Bucks today for our first 2022 stink of the week. Smell it, smell it, smell it. It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, plug your nose. It stinks. This is your stink of the week. Oh, we got a few different Bucks stinks. First of all, the Bucks almost lost the Jets. That alone should be the stink of the week. 28-24. Of course, the legend Tom Brady drives him down the field. Felt like, what was it, Jets Raiders from a year ago where the Jets defense just folded and gave away a win at the end. So the Bucks get the win. The Jets cover the 14 and a half, but you got to hate that one if you had the plus 550 money line. Ugly for the Bucks to even let this be a game. The Jets are missing like half of their roster hurt, but that's not even where the stink of the week stops. So what else we got for stink of the week on this one? Look, we have Antonio Brown <laughs> pretty much leaving in the middle of, of the game. We all know there's some mental health issues there. And we hope he gets the help he needs. But yep. not only did he leave in the middle of the game, he actually went out and, I mean, they cut him immediately. So he had to find his way back home. And then he puts out a rap single. So it's just. <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, he put out a rap oh, single. Man. It's called the, um, the Pit, Not the Palace. <laughs> have yourself a day AB. He, he, he takes his jersey off he throws in the stands waves goodbye he's out of there that's a mess here's the other stink of the week from a betting perspective so the bucks are down 24 20 they're driving for the touchdown if you play the total on this one if you got the under you're feeling fine it's 24 20 that's 44 points and you're feeling okay about it and suddenly the Bucks come down, score a touchdown, and it's 26 to 24 at this point. Uh, and they, they go for the two-pointer for no reason. Why are you going for two? You're up by two. Just kneel the ball and end the game. And so that's another stink. Just everything stunk about this game. The worst stink about it for me personally, Tom Brady, 410 yards, three touchdowns, late drive, getting my hopes up for one more last breath shot and maybe an MVP ticket MVP drive against the Jets. Yeah, I don't think so. Aaron Rodgers, I think sealed that one up tonight against my Vikings, but uh, yeah, rough game all around for the bucks. Uh, let's let's uh, hit the rest of Sunday's action and wrap up week 17. They so mentioned that Sunday night game is a snoozer. Kirk cousins watch from home. Like Raheem and me, Sean Mannion got his first career touchdown for the Vikings. Aaron Rodgers got number 446 and 447, and the Packers clinched the one seed and knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. 37-10, easy win, easy over there. Dolphins' seven-game win streak ends with a thud. Titans dominated physically. They ran hard all game. They won big, 34-3. Windy, rainy, playoffy feeling game. Tennessee pulled away late. It was a little closer than it looked before that. Uh, this one stayed under thanks to the Dolphins. Titans in position for that one seed, as we mentioned. In Buffalo, we get a wild push. The Bills beat the Falcons 29-15. And boy, depending on which side of this one you're on, you had a rough beat here. Matt Ryan scrambles for a touchdown late that would have hit the over, would have hit the cover for Atlanta. And Matt Ryan gets up and spikes the ball in the defender's face and gets a taunting penalty. And then on top of it, 
they ruled that he slid and didn't get into the end zone. So there's no touchdown. The Tommy Penny brings them back to the 16. They don't get any points on fourth down. The game stays 29-15. That's a push for Buffalo, and it stays under. So Matt Ryan's taunting cost you a Falcons cover and an over if you're on that one. My apologies there. Mr. Hertz goes to Washington and gets the win 20-16. Eagles defense, big game for them. They held on to a one-score lead twice inside their own territory. Great interception by Rodney McLeod there to clinch that one. And the Eagles did clinch a playoff spot today, but Washington got the cover there. Chargers kept their playoff hopes alive and knocked the Broncos out. 34-13, easy win and cover. Tough one if you bet the under. We know Denver unders have been killing it this season. 24 points in the fourth quarter to get the over. Only the fourth over of the year for the Broncos. Trey Lance won the battle of rookie quarterbacks as the Niners beat the Texans 23-7. Lance had a couple TDs. And the Niners doubled up Houston yardage. Kyle Shanahan even covered as a favorite, thanks to a late field goal for once. The Saints beat the Panthers 18-10 to keep their playoff hopes alive. Not much happening in that game. Not much yardage, not much of anything. Saints games have now gone under in seven of eight career Taysom Hill starts. The Seahawks punted on their first drive and then scored on the next nine possessions in a row. Thanks for coming out, Lions. Seahawks hit the over on their own, 51-20 in a victory. Four touchdowns for Russell Wilson. Maybe his last start in Seattle. We'll see what happens there. Blowout city in New England as the Patriots beat the Jaguars 50-10. Bill Belichick, 15-0 at home against rookie quarterbacks in his career. And the Bears were not particularly good at anything. The Giants are just that bad. 29-3 Chicago. Here's some numbers for Mike Glennon. Negative 31 EPA, negative 30 completion over expectation, 24 yards. The less we say about that game, the better. All right, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and get to Monday Night Football. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. Monday night, Browns, Steelers. It's a big AFC North clash. That doesn't matter anymore because the Browns are knocked out of the playoffs and the Steelers are a long shot. They might still be able to get in. We'll see. This line has moved significantly because of that. It was three and a half heading into Sunday. Now that the Browns are eliminated, the Steelers are pick them or favored minus one right now at BetMGM. Total is at 41 and a half. Raheem, I had all my Mike Tomlin underdog stats lined up, and they're all useless now. What do we say about this game? Oh, my God. I had the same stats lined up as well. It's very, very frustrating for me. The Browns are going to be missing both of their starting safeties in John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison Jr., in addition to cornerback Troy Hill. I mean, obviously, you got the starters out there at cornerback, Greedy Williams and whatnot. But I think Roethlisberger is going to have no problem getting the ball to Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Um, The Browns are going to have some advantages running the ball. 
But when you look at the how Baker has played over the stretch of the season, this feels like a game in which the Steelers have an edge. Obviously, the Browns don't really have a motivation for this game with them pretty much being out of the playoffs. I took some plus three and a half, but with this being Roethlisberger's last game in Pittsburgh, I, I'm looking at Pittsburgh in this matchup. Yeah, you know, you say the Browns don't have motivation. So here's your Browns motivation. What happened the last time the Browns played in Pittsburgh? Let me answer for you. It was in the playoffs last year, and the Browns embarrassed the Steelers on their home field to end the season. You don't think Cleveland would love to take Ben Roethlisberger out of the playoffs embarrassingly in his last game and then out of the season forever in his last home game? I think Browns fans, after two decades of Big Ben, would love to do that. But Big Ben regular season, 24-2-1, straight up, lifetime against the Browns. 24-2-1, last regular season loss to the Browns was 2014. Cleveland's last win regular season in Pittsburgh, 2003. That mm-hmm. was 19 years ago. It's 2022 now. So, yeah, the Browns, some numbers for you. The Browns, until they had won those two games last year, they won in Week 17, they won in the playoffs. Before that, they had won 5 of 36 against the Steelers. So rough, rough showing for the Browns here. They got a buck history. The underdog trends don't work anymore, but Kevin Stefanski, 1-9 against the spread in the division. The only cover was against the Bengals earlier this year. I think that the line here, even though it moves so much, minus one is about what I had it before, you know, before the motivation shifted. I thought minus one is about right. So I think the line is still there. I think there's still some value. I have the plus three and a half. I've got some Steelers money line already. It's basically a, a pick on a coin flip now. I mean, I think this, this, is this line high. is actually moving up quite a bit. We're actually, I mean, we're, we're looking at some two and a halfs in the market. There's some wow. two, twos in the market, two and a half in the market. I think if this line gets to three, or even like you're looking at a two and a half, I think it may be worth it to have a cheap buy on up to three on the Cleveland Browns. Because as I mentioned before, the, the Steelers have really, really, really struggled to stop the run. Look, they put up, we saw Dalvin Cook and the Minnesota Vikings put up almost 200 yards rushing on this team. When you look at the Steelers, what are we, they're 30th in EP, rushing EPA per play on defense. Like this team is really struggling to stop the run. They're, 22nd in rushing success rate. So what do we know the Browns like to do? They like to run the ball with Nick Chubb. I think Kareem Hunt is questionable for this matchup, but if Chubb is taking a full workload, it's like you're getting two and a half points on a team that opened as three and a half point favorites. I think you do have a positive expected value wager on the Browns at that price. I want you guys to remember that we're not betting teams, we're betting prices. So as much as we love the Steelers at plus three and a half, we thought this game should be a pick 'em game. So now that this line's going to two, two and a half, I think you got to be looking Cleveland's way. Yeah, I'm with you. I didn't realize it was moving already. Two, two and a half, I think is probably a stay away for me. I'm not sure that you're getting any real value on Pittsburgh. And I agree. If it gets to that key number at three, you just got to play Cleveland at that point because, look, the, why is the line moving here? We know. It's moving because of the motivation factor. Oh, the Browns are out now. Only the Steelers can still win. Well, that doesn't change my motivation. If I'm a Browns player, I hate Big Ben. I want him to end his game in Pittsburgh. Even beyond that, even beyond the fact that, you know, these guys might have some motivational. He's eight and four against the spread against this Browns team at home throughout his career. But who plays for the the Browns right now? Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield. They weren't playing... Yeah, big rock Ben Roethlisberger in 2003, 2004, 2005. They weren't here for those games. I think one of the things that we have to realize is, as fans and as betters is that these NFL players are playing for their job. Everything is on tape. There's 53 guys on the roster every single year. There's a draft every single year. There's free agency every single year. Guys get traded and guys are playing for their career. So everything that you do show up shows up on tape. Unless you're Antonio Brown, and you no longer want to play football anymore, you can throw your, your helmet and your pads into the stand, you're going to go out there and give your best effort. So divisional yeah. game, the Browns getting points. I think you got to take it. Yeah, if it gets to three, I mean, basically what you're saying at that point is from three and a half 
favored for the Browns to three-point underdogs that just the fact that the Browns were eliminated from the playoffs without doing anything today, that that alone is worth six or six and a half points. And that just doesn't make sense. That doesn't jive. So I agree. The value on Pittsburgh is gone. And if the line keeps going, if it gets to three, I may have to buy back in at Cleveland. And it's just, we're, we're playing the number, like you said. So one other angle that I might look at if it comes available on books, I'm not seeing it right now, but I was eyeballing TJ Watt for defensive player of the year, seeing him at plus 250 uh, heading into the day today. So it's basically looking like, uh, like him or Micah Parsons. And I just think we give defensive player of the year to the best defensive player. TJ Watt has never won it. JJ has won it a few times. I think it's TJ's time. He's had a big season. He's looked really good. He's got a Monday night game and the spotlight, a chance to get it. Dealers can still make the playoffs if they win out and get a little bit of help there. So if you see a plus 250, maybe I might look at a 200 to 250 range. I think that could be a, maybe an angle to play here. I'm not super interested in the line, the way that this one has moved now. And like you said, we may have to take come on the Browns. Uh, I am looking at both of these teams for my week 18 hot read. So let's get to our hot read before we wrap up here. Hot wrap. Blue 17. Nice rights. Ice cream. Jose. Buda Raiders. So I'm going to start out with the Browns pick, but I'm not taking the Browns. Raheem, why in the world are the Cincinnati Bengals, the possible one seed Cincinnati Bengals, underdogs in Cleveland, the same Cleveland team that we think should just move six points because they're not motivated against the Steelers are three point favorites against the Bengals. I don't understand it. Is that, has that line moved or the bang? I, I checked like five different times thinking I must be seeing this wrong. The Bengals are in fact, three point underdogs in Cleveland, correct? Yes, they are. Yeah, I don't understand it. Look, I know the Browns 41, 16 in Cincinnati earlier this season. So I'm guessing that that's the reason I don't really buy it. First drive of the game. That one. Bengals drove right down the field and were about to score. Pick six, 99 yards. The Bengals had three turnovers to none and two turnovers and down. So really a five to zero turnover margin. So yeah, you lose by a bunch that way. But the Bengals had 25 first downs to 14. They were good in that game. Joe Burrow left the game for a while hurt. I'm not going to read too much in the one game. Again, Stefanski, that was the only time in two seasons that he's covered against a division opponent. The Bengals. This is it. This is their chance to possibly get the one seed still. We know that they'll schedule those games, so they won't know yet. They'll certainly be trying. They can move up if Tennessee loses or if the Chiefs lose. And I just think this is the Bengals moment here. I don't know how this team is an underdog, especially at the key number, plus three. Gave me the plus three. Short road dog, 67% against the spread on the season. 58% money line ROI. I'm all over Cincinnati on this one. I don't understand the line at all. I think this line is the way it is because they actually moved the Chiefs game, the Chiefs-Broncos game to Saturday, right? Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. moved the Chiefs-Broncos game to Saturday. So it appears that... So that, that could definitely shift things. So, yeah, keep, keep an eye. Maybe the reason here, I tried to figure that yeah, out. So the, like, are the, the, that's what it is. The, the, Chief, the Chiefs-Broncos game is on Saturday. The Titans, Titans-Texans. The Titans-Texans game is at 1 p.m. They're 10.5-point favorites over the Texans. Okay. So, it's so, the, so the Titans get the big lead on the Texans, and then they're saying, so they're building in a chance that the Bengals kind of do what yeah. I said for the Cowboys. Exactly. They're locked in, just sit this one out. Yeah. I don't know. So, I'm not sure. So, I mean, maybe, maybe they'll play a half. I mean, basically, they need they need the Chiefs and they need the, the Titans to lose in yeah. order for, to get the number one seed, which is unlikely. Yeah, so I don't know that they're going to get the one seed. I'll say this, though. I considered playing the Texans as underdogs as my hot read. The only reason they're not my hot read is because I don't think I need to hot read it. That line's not going to move in Houston's direction. I'm going to get more points if I wait. But you better believe I'm betting against Tennessee every chance I get the rest of the way. So I think Houston is live in that game to possibly beat Tennessee. And if that's the case, even if it stays close, then Cincinnati is going to keep fighting here. So I like it. I'll be betting Cincinnati. I'll be betting Houston on that one too. What's your hot read for next week? I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons plus four and a half. You know, the last time these two teams played, the Falcons actually beat this team outright. And when you look at the Saints, their offense has been downright abysmal. 
they scored nine points against the Buccaneers. I know they have a solid defense. They scored three points against the Dolphins. And I know they put up 18 points today against the Carolina Panthers, but it wasn't the type of 18 points that, <laughs> you know, really <laughs> looks really good. I mean, like, I mean, yardage-wise, they probably had their best yardage output that we've seen in three weeks. But I just – I don't have trust in this offense the way they've been playing. I think the Falcons, they showed me something going up into Buffalo and playing this team tight, and it appears that they really haven't quit. So, to me, to lay four and a half points against this divisional opponent, I like the Falcons in this matchup, and I think they could probably win this game outright and possibly play spoiler. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one for sure. I had this one circled as well. I, you know, I had some long shot chances on the Falcons to make the playoffs. They're obviously out now, but part of it was because I thought they could win this one against the Saints. The line seems too high to me. It obviously moved in the Saints direction. Look, we, if you look back at many, many years in a row, over and over again, what we see is that the teams who are still playing for playoffs or fighting for position are getting too many points. It happens every single year of these last couple of weeks. And we're, we're giving too many points to the teams who are still trying, quote unquote, and not giving enough credit to the teams who are still trying. Like you said, they're trying to make an impression. They're trying to close out the season strong. So I, I like the Falcons there. I'm going back to the AFC North. Well, back to the Steelers one more time for this one where he still is an underdog. Mike Tomlin, give me that rah-rah underdog at the Ravens plus five. The Ravens and Steelers both, I believe, can still make the playoffs, but I think it probably includes the Colts losing to the Jaguars and some other weird stuff. Uh, Pittsburgh, it looks like, can make the playoffs by winning both games, and then they need either a Chargers or a Colts loss. So it's possible. They're both on the road. Here's the thing. Steelers are plus five. It's Steelers-Ravens. These are field goal games. Stop putting the line above three points. We know that these games always are close. Since 2005, when this matchup happens, Steelers-Ravens, if either team is more than a field goal favorite, the underdog in this rivalry is 17-2 and two against the spread since 2005. When the line is above a field goal, you take the underdog. Mike Tomlin underdog stats one more time for the year. 71% against the spread as a dog after week five. 29-21 straight up. I think the Steelers are still alive. I think they could hang around. Certainly, I'll feel better if Pittsburgh wins against the, the Browns because you're kind of counting on them still trying. But again, they're going to try. It's the Ravens. This is the big rivalry game. I got to take the points with Pittsburgh here. Yeah, I really love this one. I mean, look, I've been fading the Ravens for probably about a month straight right now. A lot of it has to do with their secondary. They continue to be banged up. I know Matthew Stafford couldn't take advantage of it today in the manner that I thought he would. But when it came down to the, to the end, I mean, he got what he wanted in terms of being able to, to score the ball and taking the lead. And I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to be able to do that next week against this, this banged up Ravens secondary who's just been struggling to stop teams. Look, they're number one in – they're dead last in explosive pass play rate, allowing – 12% of passing plays to go for 20 yards or more. I think they're 28th in EPA for play, 30th in success rate on pass defense. We all know that the Steelers can't really run the ball. So a lot of their run game is the extension of the short passing game. And I think the Steelers were able to find some success with that in their first matchup. And I think they'll be able to find even more success with it now because Marlon Humphrey's not playing in this matchup. So I like that pick from you. And I, I think it wouldn't surprise me to see this line go down to three. I mean, maybe Lamar Jackson will play next week, but Lamar Jackson hasn't played in, in three, four weeks at this point. So he's probably not going to be the same quarterback. I, I like it. Yeah. And I will say too, I want to pay play both of these. You know, we always play them when we're putting them out, but I want to make sure I get these picks in before Monday night, because if the Steelers do beat the Browns, then that's all the reason for the Browns line to move away from me maybe get that one closer to a pick um, and the Steelers maybe to catch a, you know, a couple less points on their line as well. So I want to grab that one before the game, make sure to get my pick in. That is going to wrap it up today at the Action Network podcast. Don't forget to rate and review on Apple and Spotify where they're at now too. Stucky and Raybon, Wednesday night, they're back with their NFL six-pack betting guide. 
Raheem and I are back Friday. We will look at the big week 18 games and get you set up for the weekend and the look ahead, our final week of the season, getting ready for the playoffs. Finally, playoffs. We're talking about playoffs. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson. This has been the Action Network Podcast. We are on to week 18. Week 18.